Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us and welcome to our Tribal Voices from the Pandemic panel. My name is Leonla Nelson. I am from Tisaspas, Arizona, and I work in Shabrock, New Mexico, for the Center for American Indian Health. Today's discussion with our guests, Dr. Safina Calderon and Dominic Clichy, will focus on life after the vaccine, addressing community concerns as the COVID-19 vaccine is rolled out. So this is a part three of a series of panel discussions with Native leaders that is a collaboration between CORE, Johns Hopkins Center for American Indian Health, and Protect the Sacred. These series is designed to amplify Native voices and bring attention to the impact of the COVID pandemic and Native communities, on Native communities. So we'd like to welcome our panelists, Dr. Calderon and Dr. Clichy. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, let's start with introductions and give our audience a sense of background and the work that you do. So Dr. Calderon, if you don't mind getting us started. Hi, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Sofina Calderon. Um, I was actually born and raised here in Tuba City, and that's where I'm from and where I grew up. And um, I currently work here at Tuba City Regional Healthcare Corporation since 2014 after finishing uh, residency for family medicine. So currently, I am here in Tuba City as a family physician, and I am deputy chief of staff here at the hospital. And I pretty much do a little bit of everything. I also um, practice global health and do uh, medical brigades to Honduras. So I'm all over the place and all over the world and um, love my job here in Tuba City and, and work with people from newborn to pregnant stages all the way to adult and elderly ages. Um, thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. That sounds great. Um, Dr. Clichy. Hi, thank you. Good morning. Yat e she Dominic Klichi Yinisha Sinajini Anishle, my deskini Abashichi, Kinyani Deshache, Batani Yedeshanele. I'm originally from Navajo, New Mexico, um, but currently live in St. Michael's at the moment. I work here in Fort Defiance at uh Tsehotoy Medical Center, so just on the borderline of New Mexico and Arizona here in the four corners. I've been in public health for about 10 years and as an epidemiologist uh, for about eight of those years. Um, prior to this, I worked at the Nike World Headquarters in Beaverton, Oregon, as a brand marketing specialist for the Nike N7 program. And that's kind of how I got into public health, because we used to give grants to increase physical activity in um, Native communities. Um, so as an epidemiologist, prior to COVID-19, I think that very few people understood what I, what I did on a daily basis. But um, epidemiology is essentially the area of healthcare that deals with the incidence, distribution, and possible control of disease, illnesses, and other factors related to health. So essentially, I'm a disease investigator. And the best way that I can explain it, and I always explain it to my family members in an analogy, I, I, I watch a lot of um, rally car racing. So uh, in rally car racing, there's always a passenger. He's known as a co-pilot and a co-driver. Uh, so he's the navigator uh, for the rally car. He sits in the front passenger seat. Uh, his job is to navigate uh, the, the map and the course 
uh, by reading off a set of pace notes and other things that he has. And basically what he does is he lets the driver know what lies ahead, where to turn, the severity of the turn, and what obstacles to look out for. So that is similar to what I do for the hospital and for doctors like Dr. Kelderon. Uh, so I use statistical analysis to um, to model future spread of the disease so that doctors and other healthcare professionals, including public health professionals, in this case, which are the drivers essentially of the rally car, they know what lies ahead, how the disease originates and how it spreads, the severity of the disease and how to mitigate the spread, um, but also navigating obstacles that may limit our response to an infectious disease. So I'm the co-pilot and I think that Dr. Kelderon is a, a great driver, but I'm there to help her out and help out other public health professionals in regards to navigating um, a disease and a pandemic. Wow, great explanation. Thank you for sharing, Dr. Clichy. That'll, that'll help a lot of us out. Um, all right, let's, let's dive in now that we have our family doctor and our epidemiologist to answer questions that we've been hearing in Native communities. So we'll get started with um, a question about restrictions. Uh, Navajo Nation restrictions versus state and off-reservation restrictions. Um, so we know that we know that Navajo Nation has vaccinated more of its population than any other state um, in the U.S. With more than half of the 170,000 residents living on tribal, the tribal nation has been fully vaccinated. But at the same time, infections are raising nationally. So the question is, what precautions should vaccinated people take when moving between on and off reservation? You know, a lot of us, like myself and Dr. Glitch, you know, we are, and also you, Dr. Calderon, we live in border towns, you know, and we have to go off um, just for basic necessities. So we have family members or we have a lot of people traveling. Spring break just happened. So just kind of thinking about all of that, like what, what precautions should we take when moving between on and off reservations? Uh, Dr. Clichy, would you like to start us off? Yeah. As I stated, I use statistical analysis and I help individuals to understand the spread at any time point or within a time period. And so for me, I think that if I'm going to travel, you know, I want to know where I'm going um, and what those numbers look like, whether it's uh, the spread of the disease, which is the incidence. Um, I think I'll look at that. So looking at the daily number of cases and then really deciding how risky it is to travel. But as if someone's vaccinated, I think that when they do travel and they go into public spaces like a gas station, they should continue to follow um, the mitigation efforts that we have been talking about, uh, washing your hands, social distancing, wearing a mask, and um, being careful. I know that as you mentioned, we do have higher rates than some of the states that surround us. So knowing that, um, always taking those precautions because individuals aren't as vaccinated. And so traveling when you're vaccinated and other people aren't, it may not be risky to yourself as an individual. But if you're around someone that's maybe at higher risk of um, disease complications from COVID-19, then you should consider um, your risk tolerance in regards to traveling. Okay. And Dr. Calderon, do you have other thoughts or any add-ons? Yeah, yeah. Um, so definitely 
working, living and working on a border town here, you know, in a border town here in Tuba City on the western end of Navajo Nation, you know, a lot of families do travel off the Navajo Nation to um, do all of their shopping and uh, uh, purchase their necessities. And so, you know, a lot of the um, advice that I've been giving to people when they come back for their second vaccination, you know, people come back and they're super excited to get their second shot because that means they're on their way to maximizing their potential protection from the virus. And so when I do some chat, uh, pre-chat prior to getting their second vaccine, I said, okay, you know, two weeks from today, you're going to reach your maximal protection from this virus and you're going to get that 95% protection. But, you know, We've been really, really good here on the Navajo Nation, and our vaccination rates are excellent, especially when compared to other, um, you know, states across the United States. And so I tell people, you know, we're very, very great here. We're pretty safe here. But traveling off the Navajo Nation, you know, their rates aren't as great as ours. And so you have a higher chance of being and surrounded by people that are probably not yet vaccinated. You know, here... Um, across the Navajo Nation, our vaccination um, criteria is pretty wide open, 16 and over. And so the chance that you're going to travel to Phoenix, let's say, you know, or Flagstaff and be in a grocery store line and uh, those that are around you probably are not vaccinated yet, especially if it's a younger crowd of people. And, you know, the vaccination hasn't fully reached that age group yet for, um, you know, people off the Navajo Nation. And those people are still waiting to be vaccinated and getting their appointments and stuff. And so, you know, I tell people, be super cautious, continue to wear your mask and be very, very conscious and aware of your distance to other people and not to get stuck in closed spaces, you know, um, around other people where you're going to be in an area that's not very well ventilated and, you know, just be conscious of your surroundings and, you know, and be very um, thoughtful of the type of travel you're going to do and think to yourself before you go um, off res or even go into a, a store or restaurant, you know, do I really need to do this? And what are my risks at this point? And, you know, and just really be conscious of some of the steps that you're taking and where you're going and, and being, being aware of, um, uh, of your surroundings and just really don't let your guard down. And so that's what I usually tell people when they go, um, you know, when they come excited for their second shot and really hopeful, and it's a great positive thing, you know, for people to be hopeful and to look forward to, you know, that peace of mind of being vaccinated. So, but I always tell people don't let your guard down. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, so speaking of, you know, letting your guard down or, you know, thinking about younger people. So how should people who live in a home where older generation has been vaccinated, but the younger members of the household have not? Like, how can they function safely? So, you know, we talked about now the different vaccination um, rates outside of the reds. But what about in your own home? Um, or maybe there might be somebody who is not willing to get the vaccine or unwanting to at that moment, you know, like how can those households um, function safely? What advice do you guys have for them? I think that, you know, there are different levels of risk in regards to households and mm -hmm. there are variables um, out there that you have to consider. For example, I think the lowest risk of individuals uh, that are vaccinated with each other, you know, both individuals are all household members are vaccinated. That's the lowest risk uh, there. 
And then you move into like the moderate risk where I think we're talking about this, where the elders or at least the older individuals living in the household are vaccinated and the, the younger individuals living there aren't. So that's moderately uh, at risk. Um, I think that the highest risk is where uh, none of the household members are vaccinated. So I think that when we're talking about how to function safely, um, I think it's okay that the elders, and that should have been the priority. And I think it, I feel like it is here on the Navajo Nation that the elders, I think they were really optimistic about um, getting the vac vaccine, vaccines. Um, and now, uh, as Dr. Calderon had stated, it's widely available for individuals that are um, 16 and older. And so if I would recommend that the individuals that are younger and maybe even older than 16 get the vaccination. And then for the younger individuals that are under 16, you know, they're some of the lowest risk of um, being severely impacted by COVID-19. So I think that for in order for them to function safely, they're doing the best. And the recommendation would be to get those individuals that are over 16 vaccinated and to continue to um, keep the younger ones safe by wearing masks when out in public and uh, really being vigilant when you're out in public. I, I agree with Dr. Clichy and I really like his risk stratification, you know, just really thinking about, you know, those who are vaccinated and maybe, maybe a, a household who is partially vaccinated, for example, I think you gave the example of maybe the adults being vaccinated, but of course, children under 16 aren't yet being vaccinated. So, you know, every household needs to, you know, think about um, their risk levels in terms of their activity and the combination of people that they have in their household. Um, if you have a household with elderly people, and you know, and this is certainly the case for many um, uh, households across the Navajo Nation where there's elderly in the household mm -hmm. and perhaps the children or grandchildren that are, you know, their caretakers, you know, they, they, across the Navajo Nation, I, you know, I've actually worked with a lot of families that have been really great at thinking of those who are highest risk in their family and really taking measures to um, really significantly decrease their risk. So, of course, all of those in those households have tried as much as possible to get the elderly in their households vaccinated, both, but also the caretakers. And if there are any children that are not yet being vaccinated, you know, that aren't vaccinated in their household, you know, be very, very conscious of, you know, where those children go and if there's a lot of movement in and out of the house and of course most importantly wearing masks with any interactions outside of the household and you know in within one household if the all of those people sort of remain living together and minimize all of their risks together you know within that household people are safe to not wear their masks with each other if they all live together and and that's been sort of our um, our advice from the beginning, you know, you only interact, stay interacting among the people that you live in the household with. But however, if there are people that are coming and going, you know, um, a household member lives on and travels for work. You know, we have a lot of um, 
we do have a lot of iron workers, welders, boiler makers, you know, yeah. carpenters that leave, you know, that do a lot of union work and travel for their work and, you know, are gone for weeks at a time and working among a lot of people they don't normally interact with or live with and then come back home. You know, we have been still telling those people, um, you know, those are our sort of our highest category of people that we want to get vaccinated as well, because their risk is pretty high with the interactions that they're um, partaking in leaving the, the Navajo Nation and in their work. And so if they are vaccinated, you know, it's great um, to come back home, but also to be very, very careful still with interactions of people that are coming and going from the house. Um, with, uh, for example, grandma or grandpa in the house that even though they're vaccinated, still to continue to be careful and wear a mask and, you know, uh, be very aware of, of distances too, especially if you're fresh coming home from, you know, working across the country and then coming home and, and wanting to be with your grandparents. Um, the best case scenario is, you know, grandma and grandpa, you know, your Masa and Che are both vaccinated and, you know, the people that want to be around the grandparents are vaccinated as, as, as well. And, you know, as Dr. Kleje stated, you know, that's the best and lowest risk is when everyone is vaccinated. Yeah. And so for speaking of grandparents, so for those who are unable to get the vaccine for the little, little kids that miss their, their grandma's hugs and their Che's hugs, um, what do you guys think about can a fully vaccinated grandparent hug his or her grandchildren, the little ones? That are not vaccinated yeah i i think so i think it'd be okay uh if the grandparent doesn't have any type of uh is it immunocompromised or uh at high high risk i think it'd be okay for a fully vaccinated grandparent to hug an unvaccinated grandchild i think it would be okay I think the only thing I would add is, um, you know, to be super cautious and to really up up your precautions um, in that situation would be to have them wear masks, um, especially if there's interaction between vaccinated and unvaccinated. You know, the, the hugs can certainly happen, but, you know, be to add that super barrier, the extra barrier of precautions, just wear a mask, especially if there's interactions like that with um, vaccinated, unvaccinated. Oh, great. That's good to hear. Um, and still on the subject of children, uh, some schools are now going back to in-person part-time here in Shabrock, we're on a hybrid model. Um, so what precautions should families take given that children are not vaccinated, you know, but again, they're going out to school a couple of days a week and then coming home? I think that um, the precautions that we've been taking should always still be upkept. Uh, that includes when the children to school wearing a mask, I know that some schools have taken uh, some measures where they do do the uh, social distancing and are ensuring that the kids are washing their hands. My son, he's a first grader, and unfortunately, he's not. So unfortunately and fortunately, it depends. Uh, he's not in school right now, um, but he's doing virtual. And I know that as a first grader, um, it's difficult for him to have those long periods of uh, time where he has to be interactive online. I know that uh, we're almost done with the semester, almost done with uh, the year of school, but I know that it's definitely taking a toll on him. And um, But for the precautions, uh, if, he, if he did go to school, I'm sure that he's always wearing his mask and washing his hands, social distancing, and um, making sure. And he, he's gotten used to it being out in public with the mask. So 
um, I know that he'll continue to do that if he goes back to school. Yeah, I think um, for the kids, you know, they're very excited to go back to school. It's been, you know, well over a year of uh, not being in school. And so I know for a lot of children um, here in Tuba City, our, our uh, public school district has um, has also uh, integrated a hybrid model. And a lot of our students are back in school physically. Um, and so I think... Um, you know, the same precautions apply and it really, really requires um, parents at home to really, you know, speak to their kids about what's going on and how to properly, um, you know, by now, I'm pretty sure a lot of them are really good at it from, you know, a whole year of being in this pandemic. And, you know, as uh, Dr. Quiche said, you know, his son's already good at, you know, wearing his mask. And, you know, we've been really good with my kids as well, just to really explain, you know, how, what the precautions are and you know if there's any time we're out in public they're very good at reminding you know you know don't stand next you know don't, don't get too close move this way and you know things like that and so just being very conscious of those kind of things and um and really making sure that the children understand um why these precautions are in place and I, a lot of the schools have done very well at um, creating safe spaces for the children so that they can physically be in school again um, you know, and a lot of the data and studies have shown, you know, for uh, children that are back in school and schools that have been in session throughout this pandemic, that the spread has been very, um, you know, has, has been very small scale um, in terms of, you know, studying schools that have been um, functioning and open during the pandemic and have had these precautions in place. Um, and so we, we know that kids don't get, you know, typically don't get very, very sick from COVID. If they are, if they happen to get infected with COVID, you know, their, their, um, their recovery is usually great and they're, they're usually fine. But where we sort of, I think where most of our worry lies is those kids passing it to each other and bringing it home. And so that's a little bit more, I think, where we worry most, you know, I think we're not too worried, you know, I imagined, you know, as a, as a mother, you know, if I send my children back to school physically, I, I wouldn't be too worried about my kids, um, you know, interacting at school and in a safe space like that with with all the precautions in place. If my if my kids, you know, with all um, with all of the precautions in place, if they were happen to get COVID, I think they would do fine. And so that with that said, if kids are going to be in school and happen to, you know, um, Unfortunately, if, if that is the case, if they bring COVID home, it becomes much more important that all of those people in that household are vaccinated. And this is really important, you know, the, um, if they're in a household with people um, that are of higher risk of severe COVID, so our 65 and over age range, and those that have um, medical conditions that would put them at higher risk, you know, Across the Navajo Nation, we have um, high rates of diabetes, high rates of obesity, and these are conditions that are on our high risk list. And so chances are many, many households, you know, um, do have household members that have one of these conditions. And so it's really important in that case as well to make sure that everyone in the household those who can get vaccinated are vaccinated so that kids who come home can still go to school and come home and still be a safe situation. And that's the best case scenario. Thanks, Dr. Calderon. Yeah, uh, just all of these restrictions is kind of a kind of a downer. But now that, you know, the vaccine is out and like we mentioned, a lot of people have gotten it, at least on Navajo. 
So we can kind of switch gears a little bit and talk about, well, now that this is out, like what can we start to do safely? What activities are, are safe to do after the vaccine? Um, what activities can fully vaccinated people do safely, I guess is the question. Yeah, thank you. I think that some of the activities that individuals can do once they're vaccinated um, include um, some type of indoor dining. I know that several states have began to open up businesses. And so, but really depending on the state, some of them don't require uh, places and restaurants where dining can be done to be socially distanced anymore. So I think being conscious of how um, many people are there at the restaurant you would like to eat at, um, and also wearing your mask uh, as you enter, as you're waiting, and as you're getting uh, seated. And then uh, if it's your household and you guys are vaccinated, then I think that it's safe to sit and enjoy a meal together um, without a mask. And then when the waiter comes to uh, continue to be conscious about whether uh, to be content, to be conscious about uh, wearing your mask, I think, when, when the waiter comes, because that's someone that's out of your household. Um, other things that I think you can do um, you can visit inside uh, with individuals that are fully vaccinated from from your home. And I think maybe from another household that is a family um, family, I think would be fine. Um, yeah. Dr. Dr. Gleach, you have a question about that. Yeah. Um, I yeah, it'd be great if we could visit other people. You know, that's been so frowned upon. You know, this whole year, but now, like you said, if people are fully vaccinated, you know, we'd like to visit them. What would be your advice or how do you, do you think it would be appropriate to ask, like, I want to come over, but is your household fully vaccinated? I guess, like, how is that, how can that be done or should yeah. that be done? You know, do you feel like I don't want to offend people, but I also don't want to be at risk, you know, so, it, but I miss you and <laughs> I need to yeah. hang out with you. So, you know, really? how does, how does that work? Like, what are your, what is your advice on that? I think my advice would be if, it's uncomfortable to ask someone that you miss and are comfortable and want to visit if they're vaccinated and that if that's uncomfortable then you know i i don't think that they'd be someone that i want to visit so i mean i i have no problem with anybody asking me and i have no problem asking the people that i have visited that were vaccinated and that's you know my immediate family members my my mom and dad they live in a different household they're vaccinated and, you know, they don't mind if I ask if they were vaccinated or not. Um, but I think that would be my um, personal rule is if it's uncomfortable to ask someone if they're vaccinated or not, then I don't think that that'd be a person uh, that I want to visit. Gotcha. Yeah, that's that's just my, uh, that's my, that's my rule, I guess. Dr. Calderon, your thoughts? Yeah. Um... Yeah, I guess if I if I didn't feel comfortable asking someone um, whether or not they were vaccinated, I don't know if they were that good of a friend to uh, <laughs> to want to go visit in the first place. But um, but no, I think um, you know it, it definitely is a really great question, and we are in this sort of era of you know um, it's we're a year into this pandemic. We all know what's going on. We're very aware of what's going on in this world right now, and we all know that vaccinations are you know, the thing of the day right now. And, um, and, and we do know that vaccines are making people safer and making um, our activities safer. And so 
Um, so prior to, you know, and it's a great, and it's, it's a valid question that anyone should be comfortable asking if there is going to be any plan for any interaction. And so, um, you know, I, uh, you know, my, uh, one of my cousins and, you know, we uh, planned a hike for our kids that usually play together sometimes. And we finally, finally got together after this whole year because her and her husband are vaccinated. My, my husband and I are both vaccinated and our kids aren't yet of vaccination age, but we planned a hike together and we said, okay, did you guys get your vaccines? Yes, we did. How long ago was it? Was it more than two weeks ago? Yes, it was. And so, you know, we're, we, you know, just really, it's, it's, you know, I think it's, it's, it's great that if it can become a part of normal conversation prior to socializing, double check. And, you know, if I wanted to, you know, hang out with someone that, um, that perhaps I wasn't close enough to know whether or not they were already vaccinated, it's a valid thing to ask. And, um, and, and so if, if you're unclear it, in a situation, in a social situation where there's other people that um, that you aren't sure whether or not they're vaccinated and it's probably not the appropriate environment to disturb, interrupt a conversation and say, wait a minute, you know, is everyone vaccinated here? You know, um, it might be awkward, but but, you know, if that's the case, maintain your distance, gather outside and wear your mask. And, you know, just continue to, you know, do those and practice those precautions anyway. Um, but I think it's perfectly safe and valid to go ahead and ask people if you're going to be in a setting together for a, a, an extended period of time, you know, if you're going to, if you're passing by only 10 minutes, you know, I don't, you, you don't have to ask, but, <laughs> but if you're going to be hanging out with someone, you know, for about an hour or so, and you're going to, you know, um, you know, put down, put down, bring down your barriers a little bit and your, in your conversation and in your social inter interactions, then I think it's okay to ask. Great. Thanks you guys. Um, I know you guys had both mentioned some activities that can be can be done safely with fully vaccinated people. Um, so just, I guess, continuing to go off that, what about large public events? You know, now like concerts might be starting to go on now. Um, I don't know if we're having any fairs, <laughs> um, that kind of stuff. Um, uh, just any thoughts on large, large group events? I would not recommend attending a large public event at this time. Um, I, I think that once we get more people vaccinated and um, we get easier available uh, testing supplies and um, things of that sort, I would not recommend attending a large public event right now. Okay. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, no, no large events for now. Um, it's still too early and too soon to really think of big things like that. And, you know, we're, we're barely, barely crawling to, um, you know, we're barely at a crawl right now to consider small steps of things and small gatherings. And, you know, we've, <clears throat> we've barely opened up to the part where, you know, you can visit your grandparents again. And so to sort of jump to a large scale event and thinking of large concerts and things like that, I think that's too big of a jump yet still. So I, I would not uh, attend any large events at this point. Okay. What about smaller, smaller, larger events, I guess, if that makes sense. Like maybe um, if people uh, want to, if they're going back to church, you know, so again, these are people you're not really, you live with, maybe, you know, I'm not sure if you would ask them about vaccinations or maybe you're going to a wedding or a ceremony, you know, all outdoors, you know, but you know, some people, not everybody, I guess, like, what are your thoughts about that? And about maybe asking again about the mask or not the mask, I'm sorry, the vaccine. 
I think there are a lot of variables and you mentioned some of those, you know, inside, outside, uh, number of people, social distancing. Um, so if it's a medium sized, I would still not recommend attending. I know that um, there have been a lot of innovative types of medium social gatherings that have taken place. And so I'd recommend not attending maybe a medium sized type of event where there are multiple households that you may or may not know are vaccinated. Yeah, I agree. Um, there, there are still way too many variables to consider. Um, you know, smaller scale, <clears throat> smaller scale events. Um, you know, ten people or fewer. Um, knowing people's vaccination status, um, being whether the the small gathering is outdoors or indoors. You know, those are a lot of things to consider. Um, and so, obviously, the best case scenario is being everyone who's vaccinated and the events outside where there's great ventilation and not enclosed in a small space. And everyone wearing their mask. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what about riding in a car with somebody, um, with people without a mask? What do you, and that's only maybe one person or maybe two people, but what are your thoughts about that? I think it would be okay unmasked if both individuals uh, were vaccinated. Again, uh, it's really up to your risk tolerance. Uh, the lowest risk being both vaccinated, moderate risk, only one person vaccinated and the other not. And you know, understanding does that person that's unvaccinated, are they around individuals that uh, maybe be at high risk of suffering from the complications of COVID-19? Um, and really thinking about that um i know that my sister she's vaccinated and she's not in my household but we did um go unmasked to um my parents house we're also vaccinated so i think it would be okay if both people are vaccinated uh, if anybody if individuals aren't vaccinated then of course wear a mask double mask double mask yeah that's that's the new guideline now the, the double mask um, what about gyms now that, uh, it's going to be summer and, um, like Dr. Colorado said, we haven't done anything or, you know, in over a year, haven't even seen our friends, but you know, now that things are kind of starting to open back up, um, and what, what are your take on gyms? Might the first thought I have is like, oh my gosh, I'm going to share these machines with whether it's just me or not. Like, I don't know, like uh, the machine, like who touched this and when, and I don't know. But what are your, but you know, for some people, gym is life. Like, what are your <laughs> advice on, on on those people? I'm seeing a lot of patients coming out of coming out of pandemic, coming out of hiding, and they're like, I've got a, all this pandemic weight, and so you know, a lot of people are really anxious <laughs> to get back to you know you know working out and things like that. And you know, a lot of people um, unfortunately have had their you know diabetes have gotten worse over the year as well with the weight gain and you know, the eating habits that have changed. And so, you know, it's really hard, you know, to, um, to give advice to patients and say, you know, fix your, you know, go exercise and, you know, do mm -hmm. all these things to make these improvements. But for some people, their form of exercise was going to the gym. So it really, you know, I think personally, I probably, 
Um, the gyms are all enclosed spaces. If there were windows, you know, the perfect gym would be if there were windows and you could open them and get some ventilation and your machines were outside under a shade or something. But it's just, you know, it, all, all the gyms that people go to now are all sort of enclosed spaces and people who share machines, like you, like you said, you know, people are all touching the same machines. You know, all of these gyms have, you know, enhanced um, sanitation guidelines and things like that that are in place, but it's really difficult to know and go to a gym and not and, and not know exactly who's vaccinated, and who's not vaccinated yet. And so, it, it, so if you really, really feel that it's part, you know, sort of risk stratifying things in your head and you really feel like this is an important thing to you to, you know, if it's part of your you know, regaining some of your sanity after pandemic to go back to a gym, really, you know, think about what your risks are, where you're going, and perhaps think about the timing of when the, um, when they're least busy and all that kind of stuff. And just really, really think about the place and space that you're going into and, you know, the timing and the number of people that are there. Um, but I think overall, if uh, if you could find alternatives to exercising, the safest thing would be to hold off on going to spaces like that that are enclosed around other people that um, you don't know their vaccination status status of. Um, to really find an alternative way to exercise, and best case scenario being at home or outside. Yeah, I agree. And right now it's warming up, so. Um the availability and access to safe physical activity areas is more than it is when it was winter. So mm -hmm. really considering those things that you can control if you do need to go to the gym, uh, the least busiest time of the day um, um, and wearing your mask. So I think those are factors that you should consider. But right now uh, it's perfect weather outside to be doing some physical activity. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Um, let's, we can move on. Um, so based on your experience working with patients and studying data from Navajo Nation, what would you like the community to know about the, about this phase of the pandemic that we're in now? I think that we have to continue to be resilient uh, against COVID-19. We've done a great job. Our leaders have been really conservative and have implemented uh, really strong mitigation um, policies, and that has helped us. Uh, I think that in combination with individuals having antibodies through getting COVID-19 or receiving the vaccine has really helped us to lower our numbers. And in some cases, there's days where we don't have any COVID-19 cases anymore. However, um, there's always that threat of the third wave or you know, individuals relaxing a little bit too early, uh, jumping into going to large public events and really trying to speed up normal life again. When I think that we should continue to stay hesitant and continue to practice the uh, efforts that have got us to this point uh, where we have low number of cases. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, just really, really um, carry the message of not letting your guard down and just be, be very uh, vigilant still, stay vigilant with any interactions that you're having. Um, and before, you know, take a moment to pause before going into, you know, a new environment, new new situation and say, okay, what's my risk here? Do I have my mask? Is there a lot of people in there? And 
when you're in a public space, being aware of your spacing between you and other people. Um, and, you know, and especially for any travel off the Navajo Nation. And, you know, and our big message recently, of course, has been vaccination. And we have had excellent, excellent rates of vaccinations across the Navajo Nation, um, you know, especially for our over 65 age group. You know, we're well over 60 percent of those people that are that are vaccinated. But, you know, we still you know, we, we've got we, we celebrate our success, but also we look at, you know, the other 30 some percent. And we're like, where are they? You know, where are the, where's the other 30 percent of people? There are still people out there that haven't been vaccinated on our Navajo Nation, um, you know, for whatever reason. And I'm trying to, you know, we're, we're as a team trying to figure out how to make sure we could reach the rest and really get a good, good percentage of people vaccinated um, and trying to find out, you know, if there are people for whatever reason that are still hesitant to get vaccinated or um, are there, um, for example, maybe some elderly still at home and just didn't know that they can come get their shots, you know, and really, really, you know, think about uh, who in your, the people in your family. And if there are people um, that live remotely that don't have access to social media and um, the news and things like that to really know about some of these things. And so, there's still a, you know, there's still a, a small percentage of people that are not vaccinated. Um, and keep those people in mind. If you have people in your family that um, that still haven't had their vaccines, um, you know, talk to those people. And if they know that they're if they're hesitant about shots, still have have good conversations, have good open-ended conversations with people about why they might still be hesitant to get vaccinated. You know, be be respectful of other people's wishes. Um, you know, it's not fair to threaten people, um, you know, to, to force them into getting the vaccine and no one should ever be forced to get the vaccine, but just really have an open, clean, you know, an open, uh, respectful conversation with people about what their preferences are and why they perhaps might not wanting to be getting the shot yet. And so, um, so I think those are really important. We still have work to do. We still have more people to vaccinate. Um, and, and hopefully we can, you know, get to a safe space where, you know, best case scenario, everyone on the Navajo Nation all has their shots. And, you know, once things open up for kids to get vaccinated and we're all, you know, I, I keep telling people, wouldn't it be nice, you know, to have like our own little safe haven here on the Navajo Nation and just close our borders and just be safe among ourselves. <laughs> and, you know, we have that, you know, with our own uh, government and our own Navajo Nation, um, you know, administration that has been great at, you know, implementing all of these um, things, you know, it's, it's sort of, um, we've sort of worked our way to that potential of, of making a safe space for ourselves. And, and I keep telling people you're safer here than traveling off the Navajo Nation. So, you yeah. know, it's, it's a great uh, feeling to know that we're ahead of the game and we've, um, we've been successful so far and to really remain vigilant, to really keep forward on that same path to success. One last question now that you brought that up. I mean, it kind of seems, I mean, you know, this past year's it's getting better, but you know, it definitely was a black hole there for a little bit. So when do you guys estimate that things will be back to normal? Well, it depends on what you define normal as. And I, I think there's definitely a new normal in, you know, mask wearing has decreased other infectious disease. Uh, before COVID-19, you know, I was studying the flu, I was studying other infectious disease. And now those numbers have all decreased as well. Um, so my, I'm, I'm hoping and I'm hopeful by next year this time that 
things would at least be somewhat back to normal. But I think the I think wearing face mask in public that might be something that is normal again, or the new normal. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to take a little while to really reach, um, you know, whatever our new normal is going to be. But um, if normal is sort of getting back to open activities again, you know, but I think it's going to be a long while before mask wearing is going to um, is going to sort of be the last thing off the list. Um, but I think we'll, um, you know, in terms of things opening up, I think we might reach that with vac- good vaccination rates, you know, probably by, um, you know, maybe by the end of 2021 and then, you know, early 2022. But I think mask wearing is here to stay for a while longer. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. Um, any final thoughts about life after the vaccine before we close out? I have no final thoughts. Okay. Any, okay. Dr. Calderon? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, thank you. I think um, it's a great conversation to have. And it's really, um, you know, I think as as the Navajo people, we like to really think of the positive things in life. And we don't like to sort of dwell on that which is negative and depressing and things like that. And so, you know, I really get excited about this time and vaccinating people and talking to people and having these conversations because it's a re- it's a great positive thing. And to how come up to this point is something to celebrate. And I think, um, it, you know, and I tell people, you know, this is where we've come. This is how far we've come so far. You know, just keep going and keep keep up with all all of your, you know, precautions and stuff. And we can, you know, we can ride this out together and we can, you know, overcome this. And we're we're doing a good job so far. Yeah, definitely. And I like that perspective that you have. You know, we had a chat here at work um, last week about spring. And I think this is timely, you know, like with spring happening and the there's hope and there's new life, you know, with plants and animals. And, you know, there's definitely light at the end of this tunnel if we all stick together and do all the things that you guys had just suggested. So thank you guys so much for joining us, for sharing Dr. Calderon and Dr. Clichy. We appreciate your time as well as the audience members who have tuned in to listen to us. Thank you. Thank you.